When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. It is game day on Gamecock Central Radio. Welcome in Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell. And we will be joined on today's game day podcast by Chris Clark, by Colin Taylor, and by Andrew Olson, who covers the Florida beat for InsideTheGators.com, our Rivals Network partner with Florida. Wes, good to have you today, man. A final SEC game of the season for both teams. And the Gamecocks have no more road trips this year, so Carolina playing at home for the next three weeks. That's going to be nice. Yeah, this thing has absolutely flown by, man. I, I can't believe that. Uh, the SEC slate is about to be over. Uh, the season, for that matter, is close to being over. So um, it, it gets here, and then it, it just it rolls on by. So um, I, I think, fans, you got to savor every moment, savor every chance to watch your team play and, and enjoy it. And, uh, hey, an opportunity for South John today to finish 5-3 and three in SEC play. Um, and, and I personally think that's quite the accomplishment. I agree, yeah. Uh, 12-09 kickoff today at Williams-Brice for South Carolina and Florida. And the Gamecocks opened as a nine-point favorite this week. That number was down to about seven, seven and a half last I had looked. So not much faith among the betting public in Florida right now, West, based on the fact that, uh, you know, they got trucked by Missouri last week. They were down 28-6 at halftime, and they got blown out in that game basically the week prior. You know, obviously they had fired Jim McElwain after losing to Georgia. They got beat 42-7, to and they were beaten every bit as badly by Georgia, probably worse than they were by Missouri. So... Florida comes in three and five. They're three and four in the SEC. They've lost four games in a row. This is their worst start since 1979. You know, Wes, there's two thoughts this week coming into this game. One is that Florida has packed it in. They did not show much against Missouri, and they looked emotionally unavailable, according to a lot of people in that Missouri game last week. So uh, one side of the coin says that Florida has packed it in, and they're done. They're, they're not going to compete again this year because it's been a rough year, and they're just done. But there's a, there's a segment of the Florida fan base that thinks that Florida's been kicked around during this four-game losing streak by media and by fans of other teams and what have you, and they're going to come out angry today, and they're going to play for pride, and they're going to come out uh, ready to play against the Gamecocks. So to me, that's you – know, we talk about the Gamecocks. Carolina had a three-game winning streak snapped against Georgia last week, but all in all, you know, not a bad effort by the Gamecocks. Uh, making a game of it in Athens against the number one ranked team in the country when Carolina was a 24-point underdog. To me, West, the question is, has Florida packed it in, or do they come out angry today? Yeah, I think that's what's going to determine how this thing plays out. You know, um, I, I think you, you use the right word, pride. This is a pride game for Florida. Um, this is a, to me, a game where, it, you know, if you're looking at it from a Florida perspective, even if they come out and, you know, sort of regroup this week and, are playing for their teammates, playing for pride. 
my question then is if they face some adversity within the game, uh, which, again, to me, and we say it every, about every week, it goes back to getting off to a quick start for South Carolina. If South Carolina can get off to a quick start, establish the run a bit, um, sort of, uh, you know, ha- handle Florida in the early going of this game, is this a team that is going to be able to withstand something like that and, and keep fighting back, I think, is another question. So, um, you know, a lot of times when teams get completely countered out, um, you see them have bounce-back games. These are still young people. You know, they're, they're very resilient. They bounce back fast. Um, but then I, I think also you had, I think, last week a lack of focus. And, um, was that because their their coach just got fired? Was that because they're, they've quit on the season? Was that because of other reasons? Is probably because of a combination of that. But, I mean, you look in the early going of that game, Florida had a muff punt that, that led to a, straight to a Missouri touchdown. Um, you know, they were jumping off sides early in the game and just uh, did not look crisp at all. So I, I think uh, but I, I think that line's about right, man. I mean, I, I really honestly wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if it was a close football game. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if South Carolina, as they're prone to do, forces a couple turnovers and, and they can kind of run away with it. But to me, the thing that sort of swings about every game back and forth between that line uh, a lot of times comes down to uh, the big plays and the turnovers. Wes, Randy Shannon is the interim head coach for Florida after McElwain got fired the Monday or Sunday, I guess it was, after the, the cocktail party week before last. So Florida can still make a bowl game. I think the Florida State game carries a lot of weight with them, even though both teams are having abysmal seasons. Uh, you know, if Florida's able to run the table and get to a bowl, I suppose that would give them a, a little bit of momentum going into next year. But realistically, Wes, you know, going to a low-tier bowl, I don't think that's going to excite the fan base. And if anything, Florida fans might just assume get the season over with at this point because I get the impression that their fans – are shocked, number one, that they have gone from winning two straight SEC East championships to being, you know, on the verge of having a sub-500 season. I think uh, Florida fans are already looking ahead to the coaching search, and they're worried about 2018, and they're looking to the future. I just don't get the feeling that there's a lot of excitement about this game at all for Florida fans, uh, particularly being on the road and a noon kickoff. I just I feel like Florida fans have kind of thrown their hands up in the air, and they're just they don't they don't know what to make of this team and this season, particularly with the disarray that they've been through the last few weeks with the changing of coaches in the middle of the season, and it's been a very strange year for Florida. So I don't think that you know from a fan's perspective they're very excited about this game, and outside of the states of Florida and South Carolina, I don't think people are talking about this game. But when you consider that Will Muschamp was fired at Florida. That's, that this game has got to mean more to Will Muschamp. He has been very diplomatic this week. He hadn't even really talked about that. He said good things about Florida. He said even though things didn't end the way he wanted them to there, Florida was a positive experience for him. So he said good things about Florida. He's taken the high road. He has not said anything about this game carrying any more weight. But deep down, Wes, you've got to think that this game means a little bit more to Will Muschamp. Yeah, I think that this game, uh, you know, and the players probably maybe don't even talk about it either, but I think it's, you know, as far as the team goes, you probably want to win this game for your coach. You want to, even if it's not even something that's talked about, you want to go, you know, win an important game for your coach. And I, I think, uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of good football games, um, you know, throughout the day. And so this isn't going to be some marquee national matchup. But you know, like I said in the open, it gives South Carolina a chance to get to five and three. 
it gives South Carolina a chance to uh, to get to eight wins uh, on the season if they can. Uh, you know, they'll obviously be heavily favored against Walker next week, and it gives uh, basically South Carolina a chance to continue some positive momentum. Obviously, they didn't win the game last week against Georgia, but nobody really expected them to. So, uh, I think. Not many people necessarily, as far as other than South Carolina, Florida fans will be watching this one. But uh, I think a lot of people will sort of, that, that at least follow college football, will say, "Oh well, you know, South Carolina is five and three in the SEC, and now is at the seven win mark, and it is really making a push to, to turn that thing around." So I, I think, as far as something you can sell, um, anytime you can beat an SEC East rival, mm. that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Really, really big deal for South Carolina, and I, I think that you know just to, and just to really to to avoid the alternative. I, I mean, it, it would be it would be an ugly win, you know, for this fan base or an ugly loss. I mean, if South Carolina does not win later on today, so yeah. I, I think just to avoid the the negativity that would come with that and the loss of momentum that would come with that, nobody's going to do a parade this year for South Carolina beating that far the team. But you want to avoid losing <laughs> to that team or the team. So I, I, I think this is a game again, though, where South Carolina um, is favored for a reason. If they execute, they should win. But there, there is still talent on that Florida sideline. Let's yep. not pretend like they haven't recruited a bunch of four and five star guys. And I, I do think, though, there is something to be said for the fact that you start to see a lot of those must champ recruits disappearing off that defense, and all of a sudden. That defense isn't so unstoppable anymore. Yeah, Wes, I've been thinking about this game all week, and I'm worried the crowd might be a little subdued at noon start, you know. At, but after giving it some thought this week, and in the interest of full disclosure, Wes, I'm a University of South Carolina alum. I'm a third-generation Gamecock, so I'm going to take my show host hat off and put my fan hat on for a minute, and I'm going to tell you like I see it. Gamecocks need to give Florida a whooping today. Okay, Florida has given the Gamecocks a lot of beatings over the years. And Florida's coming in here, changing coaches in midseason. They had no tackles for loss, no sacks against Missouri last week. One of two teams that the Gamecocks dominated on the line of scrimmage this year. Arkansas is the other one. Carolina whipped Missouri up front. Florida's defensive line, which you know was one of the strengths of their team, couldn't do anything against Missouri. And Missouri blew Florida out. So here's South Carolina's chance, Wes. And here's what's really important about today's game. You know, forget the must-champ angle. And all that. We're playing for a spot in the final standings of the SEC East. And I know it's not first place, and that's really all that matters. But after today's game, South Carolina is either going to be ahead of Florida or they're going to be tied with Florida, and Florida will have the head-to-head. If Florida wins today, both teams finish 4-4, four and four, and Florida would have the head-to-head. So the winner of today's game finishes ahead of the other in the standings. And the Gamecocks need to give Florida a thrashing today and send them a message that the Gamecocks are going to be a force in the East for the next few years to come. That's the way I see it, Wes, and that's – that's my fan hat perspective. <laughs> I, I like it, man. I, I like it. And I, I think that, uh, you know, when you look at this program, uh, the South Carolina program, that is, it's all about progress, and it's all about selling it. And, you know, it's just another step forward if they win today of something they can sell. If you would have told me before the season, and, and yeah, there, you know, there, there's problems in Florida, obviously, or they would still have their head coach. There's problems at Tennessee. Um, these programs have problems right now. But you have to take, if you're South Carolina, you have to take advantage of their problems. And you, you have to put them down while you can. And I, I think establish a program where 
the parents out there and the recruits out there are going to say, well, there's a lot more stability in Columbia than there is in Knoxville or Gainesville. So, you know, I think for South Carolina, we've used that word opportunity a lot. I don't care what's going on with those other programs. If you'd have told me that South Carolina would lose Debo Samuel, lose Bryson Allen Williams, lose Rico Daddle, uh, lose a bunch of offensive linemen for a, a large section of the season, and would still have an opportunity to win eight games, actually opportunity to win nine games, depending on how the next three games play out, plus a ball game, yep. then uh, I would have probably said you were you were wearing your fan hat a little too much if you <laughs> needed to back away a little bit. But that that's what's at the table for South Carolina right now. That's the opportunity for South Carolina. <laughs> and now they have to take care of business because no matter how much some fans want to think, these kids are not robots. It's not going to be just show up and win. It's not going to be show up and get a W just because Florida struggled. Um, they're going to have to go execute and get the job done today. And I, I think, again, to, for South Carolina, it comes down to the same things. I mean, I feel like I'm always repeating, or, repeating myself, but force turnovers, kick, you know, force them to kick field goals in the red zone, and then do the opposite. Don't turn the football over and score some touchdowns in the red zone. When South Carolina does that, they win football games. Wes, I'm going to take a page out of your book this week. You know, I feel like this is a swing game, and I, I would not have <laughs> said that all year. You know, I wouldn't have thought that all year. Yeah. But I just feel like this is a swing game. Carolina's got a chance to kick Florida while they're down, and that's an opportunity that needs to be taken advantage of, especially at Williams-Brice. And the fact that Florida beat uh, South Carolina last year, the Gamecocks just didn't play particularly well last year. The defense played pretty good, but the offense couldn't do anything last year. So, you know, I just think it's an opportunity that is too good to pass up. And it's easy for us to sit here and talk about it. The Gamecocks are going to have to execute. They're going to have to block and tackle. But they got a chance to come out and play disciplined football and play with some focus and some intent today with some purpose and get to 5-3 and three in the SEC. Wes, that's a hell of a jump from where the Gamecocks were just two years ago. So you're absolutely right. We're talking about uh, obvious progress if the Gamecocks finish 5-3 and three in the league. And, you know, frankly, Wes, the uh, SEC East is not very good right now. You know, you look at who the Gamecocks have beaten in the SEC this year, and I believe only Arkansas – has won a conference game, if, if memory serves. So, you know, it's not like the Gamecocks have beaten a bunch of top 25 teams in the SEC East this year, but it is a chance to send a statement to the entire division that South Carolina is going to be around and they're going to be a factor in the next two to three or more years. So from that standpoint, I think this is a huge game today. And you mentioned the flip side, Wes. You know, think about think of how positive the season has been. You talked about the injuries, but the Gamecocks are still six and three. They have still found a way to persevere and win ball games, albeit against a schedule that has not been very difficult, frankly. But nevertheless, you know, six and three is six and three, and a chance to win seven or eight or nine or ten games will be a huge jump from where the Gamecocks were just two years ago. Now, if the Gamecocks come out and lay an egg today against Florida, you know, Florida's still a team that uh, is a thorn in the Gamecock side, as they have been for many years. And all of a sudden, the luster for this Gamecock season, a lot of that is lost if they lose to Florida today. So you got to keep momentum going, uh, a chance to get back in the win column after losing in a very difficult environment last week, and a chance to open this critical three-game homestand with a win against an SEC East opponent that has gotten the better of you since the Gamecocks joined the league. And I don't know how much that means to the players because they're so young. They haven't experienced a lot of the history like you and I have and like some of us Gamecock fans who are a little bit longer in the tooth. I just hope that this is something that's being talked about in practice and in team meetings this week going into the game. 
Well, let's talk about some things that I, I think are going to be key to South Carolina doing that. You know, I, I, I went back and I was looking today, and I was or earlier this week, I should say, and I was comparing Emerson uh, wins to the losses as far as South Carolina's rushing totals. Um, you know, and, and without fail, when South Carolina runs the football well, their chances to win go up exponentially. And actually, when they have not run the football, the only game that they won where they did not run the football well and still were able to win was that opener against NC State against that really good defensive front. Um, if you compare the totals from this year to last year, um, the yards per carry for South Carolina about just against about about every single uh, like opponent from you know year over year has gone up this year. I, I think you look at Florida. That was a team. You know, you talked about South Carolina not playing well against the Gators. That Florida defensive front just owned South Carolina's offensive line last year. I don't think that this Florida defensive front uh, is near as good as that one. Uh, they're not up there in sacks or tackles for loss. Uh, they haven't put as much pressure on teams. Um, they're they're sort of at the very very like just barely not in that bottom category as far as yards per carry allowed. Um, you can even look at the rushing stats for the SEC, and you see the team South Carolina really had success against. Arkansas, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, they're, uh, I think, 11th, 12th, and 13th in the SEC in rushing yards allowed. Um, Florida is right sort of above in that little category before that. So to me, for South Carolina to win this game, establish the running game, and, uh, and and you know what? It's funny. All the calls for the offense coordinator's head seem to sort of go away, too, when you run the football. Everybody thinks you're making really good play calls when you're running the football because when you run the football, you move the ball. Um, you know, you can throw the ball on first and ten, and it can be incomplete if you can come back with a run on second down and get six yards. So uh, I think that – Running the football is sort of the magic key for South Carolina. When they do that, they have success. Um, and then on the other side, you know, uh, Mike Z- or Malik Zier um, is a kid that uh, had a lot of hype coming into Florida, hasn't played a whole lot this year. Um, they named him the starter last week uh, after Randy Shannon took over. Um, he's a guy that can make some big plays against you, but I don't know that he's a guy that consistently sit back there and deliver the football. His career completion percentage is not high. I think it's around 56% or something. Um, if he gets outside the pocket and starts uh, moving around and, and letting guys get open, he will hurt you. But if you force him to stand in there and just throw a bunch of passes, this is not someone like like even Vanderbilt. You know, the Vanderbilt quarterback, I, I thought he did an outstanding job of standing in there and delivering the football against South Carolina, putting it in tight windows. I don't know that this kick has shown he can do that. So uh, if you keep him in the pocket and force him to do that, then I, I think that's going to make you know it's going to be a, a good thing for the Gamecocks. Yeah, Zaire is kind of an X factor, isn't he, for Florida? He played three quarters last week, led three field goal drives against Missouri, didn't make any critical mistakes, but you know showed some promise. And I think the book on him is that he's got better field vision than Del Rio and Franks, and he's a more mobile quarterback than either Del Rio or Franks. And Florida fans, you know, kind of questioning this week uh, why maybe he hadn't played more this year because they've seen what Franks can do. He started six games, I believe it was, and, you know, Florida didn't win a game in the month of October. So Zaire gets the nod today, the Notre Dame transfer. I believe he's an X-factor. I think, you know, he's the one guy that uh, 
could give Florida a chance today, particularly if he gets out of the pocket and makes some plays with his legs. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right, so Wes, we're going to talk with Chris Clark here, take a look at the recruiting angle today. Uh, Florida had its first decommit uh, prospect that had already committed to Florida and now decommitted or top wide receiver, top 100 player in the country by the name of Chase. So we're going to talk about the recruiting aspect here and how the uncertainty around the Florida program right now could affect recruiting. It already has with this first decommitment this past week. So that's another interesting aspect of today's game, Wes. It really is shocking the way that Florida has just seemingly come unraveled. And maybe they proved that wrong today. You know, maybe they come out and show that they've not completely unraveled uh, they're going to play with a lot of pride today and come out and give the Gamecocks a real fight. But that's what's going to make this game interesting, man. The Muschamp angle, this is a really interesting ball game to me, Wes. I mean, we kind of say that every week. They're all interesting to me. But this one has a little bit of added interest because of all the aspects of the game that we've talked about. Yeah, it really does. It's got some flair to it. And I think if you're South Carolina recruiting-wise, and uh, like you said, we'll go to Chris and, and get him to talk about some of the guys going to be there today. But recruiting-wise, I, I think uh, the other side of that is, man, you got to – you got to feast on Tennessee and Florida right now. I know Tennessee doesn't have a coach change yet, but I think most people expect that to come at the end of the year. Either way, it's a it's a situation, and uh, you know you're in a bad spot at Tennessee. So I think the Tennessee in a bad spot, Florida in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. If you're South Carolina, you got to take uh, take advantage of that on the recruiting trail. Uh, they took advantage of it on the field against Tennessee. They need to do that against Florida, and they need to take that into those high schools that. Uh, do what they can. Wes, our rival's partner with Florida is InsideTheGators.com, and I was checking out this website this week. In fact, we're going to hear from Andrew Olson, who covers the Florida beat for InsideTheGators.com in just a moment. And as I was browsing their site today, Wes, I came across staff predictions, and this is something that we do at Gamecock Central, and InsideTheGators.com does it as well. So they had two staff members give predictions on this Florida-South Carolina game today. And I wanted to share them with you, Wes, because I thought this was really interesting. This kind of what uh, got me fired up today. The two predictions from InsideTheGators.com come from Andrew Olson, who covers the Florida beat, and he's going to give us Florida's keys to victory in just a moment. And the other prediction comes from Mark Wheeler, who is the publisher of InsideTheGators.com. So let me read you their two predictions here. This is what they wrote on the site. Andrew Olson writes, Muschamp wants this game badly, and he'll have the Gamecocks ready. South Carolina is playing at home with the better quarterback and the better defense. I think USC wins big. Andrew's score is South Carolina 38, Florida 20. Then we have Mark Wheeler's prediction, the publisher of InsideTheGators.com. He writes, quote, you know there's nothing more Muschamp would love than to beat the team that fired him. If he's going to jump, this will be the perfect opportunity. However, I get the feeling Florida players have been kicked just a little too much while they've been down during this stretch and might just come out on fire. Both teams have some injury issues, but the Gators are still the more talented team, and when Muschamp is on the opposing sideline, you always have a chance. Mark's score is Florida going on the road and taking the win 21-17 over South Carolina. So to me, Wes, this sums it up. Florida people don't respect South Carolina, and they don't respect Will Muschamp. And I can understand why they feel that way, but this is an opportunity for the Gamecocks to get a small measure of respect today, and that's what's got to be done. Whew, yeah, that that was some uh, some hot fire there. Uh, <laughs> that, that was a shot fire, man. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Muschamp needs to put that on his bulletin board for bulletin support material. Uh, you know, that, that's rough, man. But, but yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I think, um, again, this game, 
we'll go one of those two ways. You know, it's going to either be a game where South Carolina sort of just, I think it would be a business-like win for South Carolina, or uh, it's going to be an absolute dogfight. So uh, this team, as much as they've improved and as well as they've played at times, I don't know that they're quite good enough, deep enough, uh, for us just to expect them to win. Uh, mm-hmm. Shoot, I'll go a step further. Next week against Wofford, I don't think they're just going to have to be able to show up and beat that team either. You know, it's always going to be a battle for them until they continue to develop this program and add more playmakers into the mix. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be tough. I uh, I have South Carolina winning the game, uh, but I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a complete uh, blowout by any stretch. I, like I said, I think that opening number, that nine, uh, was a, was, sometimes you look at the lines and you're like, wait, does that make any sense? But in this case, I, I thought that was that was right around what I would have thought, maybe eight or nine points. Okay, Wes, on the injury front, uh, earlier this week in his Tuesday press conference, Muschamp said that Taylor Stallworth was questionable, but he's good to go today. Yes, he is uh, good to go. He had a little bit of a uh, of a head injury, but Muschamp said on his Thursday uh, call-in show that he is good to go. So that that's obviously big for South Carolina. It, it lets them Blake um, here, Thomas, um, inside at defensive tackle and outside at defensive end when they want to, as a poor, as opposed to almost sort of be forced to, to play here or at defensive tackle. Uh, I think he's kind of a situational guy. You move him back and forth, but uh, without Taylor Starworth, they're kind of forced to play him inside more. Uh, so this uh, and, and Starworth is just quietly, I think, always been one of South Carolina's better players. So uh, they obviously love that they'll have him today. Wes, also on Tuesday, Muschamp was talking about uh, Debo Samuel announcing that he will return to South Carolina next year. And when you consider that Bryce and Allen Williams will also be back next year, and you think about the progress that the Gamecocks have made without these two players, you know, the fact that Carolina has been winning games without Debo and without Bryce and Allen Williams, I think when you, when you take a look ahead to next year for just a moment, I think Muschamp and the staff have got to be extremely excited about the prospect of adding another recruiting class and bringing back a solid group of players, returning players from this year's team. The future looks very bright to me, Wes, and I know the Gamecocks are going to lose a lot of key players on defense, but when you think about Bryson Allen-Williams coming back, all the experience he's got and the leadership qualities and just the playmaking ability and Debo Samuel, it feels like the pieces are in place for the Gamecocks to have another good year next year. Yeah, I think they can already start looking ahead to that. Uh, you know, you, you look at what having a veteran, Sky Moore, come back for his senior year for this season and what that's meant for the defense. I, I think uh, both those guys as leaders, as playmakers, uh, you know, that, that gives you depth, obviously, too, because the guy that, uh, you know, they're they're stepping in for somebody who's now maybe played a little bit this year. So I, I think the situation, you look at South Carolina's receivers and how they've built up that receiving core, um, you know, they were going to have to re- replace two linebackers otherwise also, but now they, they'll have Bryce Allen Williams back next year, have Casey Crosby back in the mix, um, obviously Rico Daddle back as well. So uh, it, it's a big opportunity. You know, I, I had sort of been teasing it. I had been hearing that before the most recent injury, that this is the week that Debo Samuel was aiming to get back in there, that, um, you know, it, it very possibly could have been against Florida. But, um, obviously, he had another uh, setback. Um, but, hey, I, I think the kids got the right mindset. You can tell. Um, I'm sure it was a tough situation for him to have to go through, but he uh, seems like he wants to attack it head on. and He's one of those guys you pull for, man. He's worked so hard. 
that you really hope that kid can come back and have a fully healthy senior year. Yep. You got to believe he will. You know, it's not like it was an ACL or a hamstring or an Achilles tear. You know, a, a fractured fibula should repair, should heal in time. And I like the fact that the Gamecocks aren't trying to rush him back. And man, this is huge, Wes. The fact that Debo's coming back next year. You know, you can only speculate how good the Gamecocks might have been this year had Debo stayed healthy. And I'm, you know, I'm excited that South Carolina is going to have a chance to get another run with him next year. Yeah, I think um, if you look some pieces in place, you know, I. Uh... I, I watched back over the Georgia game for my tape, and not many guys on offense making people miss, Emerson. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, you have to, in the spread age, in the age of the spread offense, you've got to be able to make a guy miss in space. And South Carolina, don't get me wrong, they have some really good young receivers, but um, you look at that game, you look at not having Rico Dado out there, you look at not having uh, Debo Samuel out there, very, very few plays where a South Carolina guy made an opponent, you know, made a defender miss to turn that into a bigger play. You look on the Georgia side, I counted them. Georgia had 19 plays where mm. uh, a, a guy took what was there but then made it a bigger play by making someone miss or breaking the tackle or pushing the entire pile. You just have, you just don't have that from South Carolina right now. That's right. So great news that Debo's coming back next year. All right, Wes, let's go ahead and check in with Chris Clark, Gamecock Insider, who will take a look at the Florida game with us today, and we'll take a look at the recruiting angle as well for the South Carolina-Florida matchup. Noon kickoff today on CBS. Gamecock Central Insider Chris Clark with us now on the Gamecock Central Game Day Podcast. Chris, welcome in. Good to have you. Thanks for having me, Emerson. Always a pleasure. All right, a pretty heated discussion today about this Florida game on the surface for outsiders looking in Chris you know I don't get the feeling that nationally a lot of people are talking about this game but Wes and I have talked extensively today about the fact that you know Florida has been a thorn in the Gamecocks side since the Gamecocks joined the SEC and the Gamecocks have a chance to kick them while they're down today I mean I'm gonna tell it exactly like I see it and I think this is an opportunity that the Gamecocks need to seize a chance for the Gamecocks to open a three-game homestand at the end of the regular season with a win, a chance to get to 5-3 and three in the SEC East. And most importantly of all, I believe, Chris, you know, a chance for the Gamecocks to finish clear ahead of Florida in the East standing, something that the media did not predict at the start of the season. I don't think anybody would have thought that would happen. And from that standpoint, this is a big game. If Florida wins today, both teams are 4-4 four and four in the league, and Florida would have the head-to-head. So Carolina can win and finish two games clear of the Gators, and that would be an accomplishment. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, and – you know this this game's important for a lot of reasons, and uh, you know just just getting to that seven win plateau, so going ahead and securing that you've you've made that win loss progress from year one to year two, which is sort of anticipated this this season. But um, you know going ahead and doing that would be big, and uh, starting off this three game home stand to to uh, you know close out the season playing better, you know just just acquitting themselves better, and and maybe getting some things back on track against the team that's struggling. And like you said, Emerson, I mean, having a winning conference record, I mean, look, the SEC East is not very good whatsoever. Uh, but South Carolina's got, you know, developing as a program to continue to do. They're trying to rebuild the program. And so that's those things are all steps in the right direction. And this Florida team is, you know, they look like they sort of slept walk through the past couple games, but they are capable of playing better. They have capable players on their team. Um, I think that's why it's going to be important for South Carolina to come out and start this game well and try to not necessarily put it away early um, because they haven't really proved capable of that this season, but to come out and have a fast start and, and see if they can sort of 
um, like sort of stomp down on Florida's throat a little bit and try to see if they can have some of that negative body language that Florida's been exhibiting the past couple weeks come out. I think that'd be ideal for South Carolina. Chris, I was reading on InsideTheGators.com. That's our rival's Florida partner this week. They wrote that when Muschamp is on the opposing sideline, you always have a chance. How do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, look, I mean, they're, they're um, you know, Gator fans and Gator media for different reasons that are still cynical about uh, Coach Muschamp's tenure at and look, it, it did not end uh, well there. Um, the results were were not what anybody wanted there at Florida, it, particularly how it happened. I mean, stylistically, this is a school where they want lots of points. They're used to seeing Steve Spurrier. You know, they want wins and they want points. So you, you have a Steve Spurrier, Urban Meyer, you know, situation with lots of wins and lots of points. And then some guys all sandwiched in between there who, did not have as much success and then some, some bad offense at times as well. So, I mean, what I would say to that is, is look, I, I think Will Muschamp's proved during his time at South Carolina that he's given them a chance in a lot of ball games that really at times, there have been some times where they haven't had business being in any of those games. Um, and they've kept every game this season, for example, so far has been competitive. Um, you know, they go on the road and they get a lead at A&M. They don't hold on to it. They're close in that game. They play toe-to-toe for quite a while with number one Georgia, whose roster is far superior. So, I mean, I can see why they why they say things like that uh, just because of the cynicism about how the program went. But this is a different sort of ball game. This is a different stop for Muschamp. He's got some different staff members. They've made some adjustments with the way things are done. It's just not – it's not really fair to to compare the two exactly because you know he's yeah they're going to do a lot of things the same but uh, they've made some adjustments and he's a different coach he's a coach that I mean he's been asked about it ad nauseum what did he learn at Florida and he's said before if I had a nickel for every time I've heard that you know um, so it, it's a situation in which he's learned he, he's grown and um, you know I don't think it's really a, exactly a fair comparison to make that and I think. He's done, really, when you look at the whole body of work at South Carolina, he's done some good things at South Carolina and has helped improve the program and get it at least back on the right track. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Chris, let's talk about the recruiting angle with today's ball game. The Gamecocks have got a number of players from the state of Florida, and Florida is obviously a a talent-rich state in terms of high school talent. And if the Gamecocks beat Florida today, prospects in Florida will certainly notice that. And we talked about it last week, I believe it was, kids – in high school don't uh, look at a game and say, well, this team beat that team, so I'm going there, you know. But yeah, it is something right. that the recruits pay attention to and they notice. Sure. I mean, and that's why, I mean, you want to accumulate as many as many wins as you can. I mean, it's always something you can point to, especially, you know, again, if, if you're able to go beat a Georgia or even if you can point out, you know, the disparity between the programs from a roster standpoint and then you say, look, we – we're toe-to-toe with Georgia. I mean, that could actually help. I mean, that is an actual recruiting angle. So, But it's different with Florida because the gap between Florida and South Carolina is not as big as it is between Georgia and South Carolina or other programs in terms of roster composition. And the Gators are shorthanded this year. That Suspensions have affected them and the injuries have affected them. They're, they're without about 20 guys or so, all those things considered. Hmm. But, you know, South Carolina can point to a win over Florida and say, look, we're on the come up in the SEC East. You know, we're 
Florida, yeah, historically, they have more trophies and things like that, but they can sell that vision at South Carolina, and they can sell that improvement. You know, again, that's another notch on your belt in the season in terms of getting a seventh win. Then try to go out and get an eighth and try to get a ninth, try to get a tenth in the bowl game. We don't know how all that will play out, uh, but you want to win. I mean, that winning really, really helps in recruiting. You need all the other things, but that makes it a heck of a lot easier on you. Chris, staying with the recruiting angle, I think Florida fans, you know, I get the impression that they are in shock over the fact that Florida has won two consecutive SEC East crowns and now they're three and five and they might miss a bowl game, you know, depending on how things go over these last three yeah. weeks of the regular season. So when they fired McElwain, they had their first decommit from the 2018 class, the upcoming signing class. They had their first decommit, and it was a you know top 100 player as ranked by rivals. And I think some Florida people were surprised that it took that long for them to have their first <laughs> decommitment. But this Chase kid, the wide receiver that decommitted from Florida this week, figures not to be the last decommit. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. I, I don't think he'll be the last. I mean, uh, another four-star wide receiver, Jacob Copeland from Pensacola, Florida, in that class has, has continued flirtations with Alabama, uh, among others. And so, and some think that Alabama have a good shot to pull the flip there. And Jamar Chase, I mean, that was a good pull from them because he's a kid out of Louisiana. Hmm. Uh, but LSU, as we know, they do a really good job of, of keeping kids in state and, and then pulling kids out of other regions, too. And so, um, you know, he's been on campus. Chase has at LSU a lot. And I think even, you know, even if McAway were there, that that definitely be a, would have been a storyline to watch. But with him out, you know, I think that really uh, raised the stakes. And and certainly, I mean, when you got coaching changes, that's going to make it difficult. And then we got the the added sort of bonus and, and history and intrigue of this new signing period. You know, winter winter school is going to be able to get coaches in place. Um, how many kids are going to sign early and all those things. A lot of unanswered questions for them that'll that'll be caused by this and an interesting first year to do it, sort of a test run for them. Chris, big announcement this week that Debo Samuel's coming back next year. Bryson Allen Williams will be back next year. Muschamp's excited. He says it's an exciting time to be a Gamecock. And, you know, despite the fact that the Gamecocks are going to lose Sky Moore and some other quality players off the defense, it looks like there's a really good core group of players coming back next year. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps. I mean, Debo's your – it's the one guy on your roster who can who can score from anywhere, you know, at any time. He's a big threat in a lot of different ways and can do so many different things for your offense. So getting him back and having him back along with, you know, the other guys that will return on your roster. I mean, they may get everyone of significance who's contributed from the skill positions except for Hayden Hurst, you know, back. And good possibility they get Zach Bailey back on the O-line and, and bring some of those young guys along that, that have, you know, gotten some valuable experience this year. So Bryson Allen Williams defensively, I mean, it'll be significant to get him back, pair him with T.J. Bronson, even though they'll lose Sky Moore. And so, yeah, I mean, as many of those guys that you can get back, that's a positive. And, and Gamecock fans and I'm sure the coaching staff, knowing that Samuel's there in 2018 in the back of your mind, uh, certainly makes you rest a lot easier at night. Very important ball game today, South Carolina and Florida, particularly from a Gamecock perspective, Chris, uh, you know, the Gamecocks have a chance to get back in the win column after the three-game win streak was snapped against Georgia last week and an opportunity to open this three-game homestand with a win. The Gamecocks, you know, playing for their bowl berth at this point. We know the Gamecocks are going bowling, but the more games they can win down the stretch here, Chris, the better the bowl will be. So, a huge game today. No two ways about it. Yeah, big game. I mean, right now, I mean, 
South Carolina wants to be in championship contention at some point in this program's development, and that's not, that's not the time for it this year, but uh, they just want to keep getting better, and, and they know they'll have you know a second straight year of those off-season bowl practices that they really sort of treat almost like a preseason camp. They, they get after it pretty well. Uh, but, yeah, they just want to keep trying to raise the profile of the program, keep recruiting, um, looking towards next year as a potential, you know, year that they can challenge, uh, you know, the Georgias and Floridas and continue to battle Tennessee, all those types of things. And, and so this will be, a, you know, just another step in that, in that development of the program. Chris, always great to get your perspective. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot, Emerson. Appreciate you having me. That's Chris Clark, Gamecock Central Insider, taking a look at the Florida game today and a little bit of the recruiting angle for this uh, Key matchup in the SEC East, a position in the final SEC East standings on the line today at Williams-Brice. So, Wes, that, that pretty much wraps up today's game day podcast. We're still going to get keys to victory today from Colin Taylor and from Andrew Olson from InsideTheGators.com. But I think we've pretty well summed it up to this point, Wes. You know, we got a spot in the standings on the line today. Gamecocks opening a three-game homestand to wrap up the regular season in South Carolina. Either depending on how well they play these last three weeks, Wes, that's going to determine how good a bowl they go to at the end of the year. Absolutely, it will. It should be a. It's always fun to get back out there and watch some SEC football. So I'm, uh, I'm going to enjoy the game today, man. And I've got uh, South Carolina 27, Florida 17. All right, let's send it over to Colin Taylor, staff writer for Gamecock Central, who's got Gamecock keys to victory today. So obviously, this is a huge game for South Carolina. I think they got to come out and. Uh, the biggest key is probably setting the tone early in terms of physicality. They, they need to come out crisp and sharp against the Florida team that's kind of reeling. Um, and then obviously you have to, to establish the run. And I think that South Carolina will be able to do that. I think that the next biggest key on on defense is to make sure you limit Malik Zaire, who um, you have to force him to become a pocket passer. You really have to set the ends and make sure the ends don't rush too far upfield because um, then it could get into the Texas A&M situation where the quarterback's running for a whole bunch of yards on him. So I think the biggest key, obviously, is just to make sure he's in the pocket and you, you want him, if he's going to beat you, you want him to beat you with his arm. And I think if South Carolina can, can force him to be a pocket passer, they have a really good chance of stopping him. So um, it's it's setting the tone, it's running the ball, it's controlling the clock, and it's making sure Malik Zaire doesn't beat you with his feet. And I think if they can do that, they'll, they'll come away pretty easily with this win. That's Gamecock Central staff writer Colin Taylor with Gamecock Keys to Victory. And now we will throw it to Andrew Olson from InsideTheGators.com. He's got Florida's Keys to Victory. Looking over the stats, you know, I think a big thing will be if Florida can hold uh, South Carolina to only double digits rushing, you know, in, uh, in South Carolina's in five of their six wins, you know, run for about 140 or more in, in the Three losses, you know, all held well under 100 yards. And this is the Florida rushing defense that got absolutely gashed by Missouri last week and, and Georgia the week before. So that's, that's one of the big things I'm watching for. Also, um, Florida really needs to, needs to turn around in the, in the red zone. Last week, they're, they had, they made three trips into the red zone. And only scored one touchdown. It was particularly bad in the first half, as Missouri was just racking up a ton of points. Florida could only manage a couple field goals. Down twenty-eight-six at the break, you really felt like the Gators didn't even have a chance in the second half. Uh, third key, I think, is can they contain Hayden Hurst? Um, Florida's linebackers have been put it kindly, subpar in passing coverage. And I think Hurst is a Hurst versus 
Florida's linebackers could be a, a matchup easy for Kurt Roper and company to exploit. You know, especially Sawhurst had that big game against Georgia, seven catches, 93 yards. If he puts that up again against Florida, the Gators are probably in trouble. That's Andrew Olson from InsideTheGators.com giving us Florida's key to victory. We heard earlier from Colin Taylor, Gamecock Central staff writer with Gamecock Keys. Wes, good stuff today, man. Early start and a lot of folks arriving at Williams-Brice early today. Good crisp fall Saturday afternoon. Great day for Gamecock football. Thank you, Wes. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right, that's Wes Mitchell, and I'm Emerson Phillips, and this is Gamecock Central Radio. Thanks for joining us for the Gamecock Central Game Day Podcast. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.